Turn with me, please, as you stand to your feet to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Verses 1 to 6. Acts chapter 3. Verses 1 to 6. If you have that, say amen. amen. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This Acts 3 passage is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I think it's my favorite because it has so many elements in it that are so relevant for where we are today, not only as a church, but also as a society. The Book of Acts was written in about 60 to 70 AD. You might not be able to calculate where that is. Suffice it to say, a long time ago. And yet the passage is still rich with principles and still powerfully poignant for the church as it is today. And I'm praying, and I have been praying, that I can effectively articulate the contents of this passage in a way that you will hear not what Damon Jones says, but in a way that you will hear what God has to say to your heart. I've been burdened lately with the question that I keep turning over in my mind as it relates to the ministry, um, not just of Bible Way, but the ministry in general. Been turning it over in my head. It has uh, been guilty of keeping me awake at night. But I've been wrestling with uh, this issue as it relates to mostly to us. And that is, do we just go to church, or are we being church? I said, do we just go to church, or are we being church? And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to hang around in that this Acts 3 passage, asking that particular question do we just go to church or are we? Okay, about five of y'all got it already. Do we just go to church or are we actually being the church? 
If what we are doing is more about going to church, more specifically going to the church building, then it is possible for us to miss what God wants from us. I said if we're just going, we will indeed miss what God wants from us, what God wants out of us. If we have it in our minds that we are going to church, I'm going to get up and go to church. I'm going to get dressed and go to church. When Sunday gets here, I'm going to church. We're going to have a meeting. Where at? At the church. If, if, if our mindset uh, is such that we are always going to church, uh, if most of what we do as a church happens on the inside of this building, then we may be missing the fact that church is not a place where we go. I wish I had people listen. Church is not a place where we go. It is who we are and it is what we are supposed to be. For as many as you know, the church is in fact the body of Christ. But the body is housed in a building that we just kind of somehow just started calling the church. And I'm concerned that if we really don't have that basic truth right in our hearts and in our minds, then we may be functioning somewhat incorrectly. If we believe the church is pretty much a building or a place to which we go, then you can choose not to go. If we believe that the church is a building or a place to which we go, you can choose to go and not be involved. If the church is pretty much a building or a place to go, then you can choose to go and sit. And perhaps worst of all, you can choose to leave. If you go to church, you can leave church. This must be too deep for somebody in here. If the church is a place where you go, then you may miss or not see at all the work of the church even as you are on your way into the church building. I know I got to say that one again. I said you can, you can miss totally, just not even see, not even be aware. You can be oblivious and not see the work of the church because you're too occupied with going to the church building. See, if you see church as a place, then you could possibly be heading there to do church work without really understanding or actually doing the work of the church. I'm trying to make this as clear as I possibly can. 
you, you can be on your way to do church work not understanding the work of the church. And some people live and die and serve hard, having done a lot of church work, but they never did the work of the church. The Bible is clear in its declaration that if we are saved, if we are born-again believers, then we are, in fact, the body of Christ. And that means that we are the church. And if we are the body of Christ, and if we are the church, then we should be doing what Jesus in his physical body did while he was on earth. And that biblical principle is illustrated or modeled for us in this Acts chapter 3 passage. Now watch what happens. Peter and John, two very powerful men of God, were going together, the two of them, to the temple, the place where they worship. They were going to the temple around the ninth hour of the day, which would have been, as the text says, the hour of prayer. For the most part, it was an ordinary day for Peter and John. They were doing what they normally do, which means that they were in the habit of going to the temple they were in the habit of participating in corporate prayer. But we learn in this passage that an ordinary day can bring some extraordinary events. Acts 3.1 tells us that they are en route to the temple. They have, number one, an encounter. As they are en route to the temple, first thing I want you to see is that they have an encounter. As they are en route to the temple, they have an encounter. I'm going to get all y'all in a minute. As they are en route to the temple, they have an encounter. Now we got to get the balcony involved. As they are en route to the temple, they have an encounter. Verse 2 says, a certain man, a certain man, not named because any of us, male or female, can be this certain man. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, he was carried by other people, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, and the reason they laid him in that place on a daily basis was to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Are y'all with me? Peter and John were about to go into the temple at the hour of prayer when they encounter a man who has been lame since birth. Amen, somebody. And lame means that he is crippled in his legs and his feet. He is unable to walk, and if he is unable to walk, he is also, for the most part, unable to work. I've got a whole bunch of stuff I would like to say about that. But if you can't walk, you can't work. Makes you wonder what's wrong with the folk that can walk, that don't want to work. If you can't walk, you can't work. And if you can't work, 
then you are unable to take care of yourself. And if you are unable to take care of yourself, you then must be dependent upon somebody else to interrupt their lives and their agenda to take care of you. And all of this must suggest that here you have a man with a condition that does not allow him to progress in life. Here is a man that because he cannot walk and because he cannot work and because he cannot take care of himself, here is a man that based on all of those conditions in his life, he is therefore unable to progress in life. And I might suggest that we live in a society where we are surrounded by people who are lame, people who are unable for whatever reason to progress in life. Some people are lame because they were not properly parented so that they are now maladjusted in our society. They were properly, then there were some who were properly parented, but they chose to do their own thing. Then there are those, they were exposed to something that caused an addiction in them. Then there are those who chose to hang out with other lame people. Then there were those that just continued to make one bad decision after another. Then there were those, they followed the wrong example because there were few examples within their reach. And then there were those that made mistakes, but they failed to learn from their mistakes, so they repeated the mistake over and over and over again. And then there are some, they never learned how to navigate in a racist society, and so systemic institutional racism contributes to their lameness. People always talk about black folks being like crabs in a barrel, but nobody likes to talk about who designed the barrel. That's a whole nother story for another day. There are many, many, many more reasons why people are lame. But at least this guy in the text does what he has to do. You know, when life hasn't been all that kind to you, you just gotta do what you gotta do to try to survive the best way you know how. And the best way this guy knows how is to get somebody to carry him and lay him at the gate of the temple on a daily basis. And so on this ordinary day, the man is laying there just like he does every day. But here comes Peter and John on their way to pray. Now, I don't know why these men, Peter and John, never encountered the man before. I don't know if the man gets there at different times or their schedules just never kind of coincided. I don't know why they never saw him before or why the man never saw them. Maybe Peter and John didn't go every day. So, Sometimes it's hard to get leaders to come. But this day, there is an encounter between the lame man and Peter and John. Y'all with me still? Somebody needs to know that God can and will set up an encounter for you. You thought it was an ordinary day when you got up and went through your ordinary routine. 
But if you're a child of God, we do serve an extraordinary God who will function outside the boundaries of your routine. You may think it's just another day, but God is notorious for moving behind the scenes and orchestrating the chain of human events without telling you first what he's getting ready to do. So not only is there an encounter, but Peter and John, as a result of the encounter, number two, also engage. Now verse three tells us that the lame man sees Peter and John about to go into the temple. So they have not gotten into the temple just yet. But Peter and John are about to go into the temple. I'm, don't miss this. They're not there yet. They're on their way, but they haven't arrived, which is where all of us are. We're on our way somewhere, just haven't got there yet. Doesn't take anything away from the fact that you're on your way, but you have not arrived. And so Peter and John are on their way to the temple when this encounter occurs, and thank God they stopped to engage this lame man. See, they didn't walk faster when they saw him. They, they didn't see the man and say, come on, hurry up. They didn't grab their purse up close and run past the guy. They, they didn't pass on the other side of the street just so that they wouldn't be near him. They didn't act like they didn't see him at all. They didn't ignore the guy. They, they didn't give the guy a dirty look like, don't you dare ask me for nothing. They, they didn't do any of that. All we know from the text is that they engaged this person. They didn't try to figure out, can we trust the person? Can we not trust the person? No, all they did was engage the person. And I wondered why that there didn't seem to be any sense with Peter and John of self-safety and that kind of thing that kind of keeps all of us from wanting to interact with people that we're not familiar with. And the only thing I can come up with is that the day before this happened was the day of Pentecost. If you read the chapter before, you'll start to see that the day of Pentecost came and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit, at least in their hearts and minds, was keeping them. I wish I had a so they didn't have any fear because if you have enough Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about a whole lot of fear. We miss opportunities because we take over with our senses and our judgment and our criticisms and how we see people and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to set up the encounter for us. I know they engaged the man because verse 4 says, Peter and John look at the lame man, and Peter says to the lame man, look at us. The man looks at them, expecting, the text says, to get something from them. Now, I like this because the lame man was not inside the church. He was not inside the temple. He was not clean and 
sanitized. He was laying just outside the gate. I don't know if y'all hear me. He's laying there doing what he does. Asking for money, selling his little drugs, pants hanging down, tattoos all up and down his face, skirt too short, outside. Outside the temple. And, and, and what I'm arguing is that this is a fundamental difference between going to church and being church. They didn't let going to the church building stop them from being church outside the church building. Some of us haven't learned how to be nice to people in the building, let alone people outside. And, 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 and what I want to suggest is that if you are, again, just going to church, it is likely that you will only do church stuff when you get inside the building. But if you know that you are the church, you will do what Christ would have done whether you are inside or outside the building. And I'm convinced that getting people to come in the building is in large part dependent upon how people who hang out in the building treat people who have not yet come in. You can't be nasty to somebody and think that they will want to be a part of your church. It in fact does just the opposite. They don't want to be a part of your church because if your attitude is in any way reflective of the rest of that church, that is not a place where I want to hang out. Whole lot of Christians got attitudes. Huh? For people that are supposed to have joy. We some of the meanest people, some of the angriest people, some of the most upset people, some of the maddest people, some of the most judgmental people, some of the most critical people, and we wonder why people won't come. Some of us act like we got to pay to smile. Cost that much, I ain't paying for that. So if you watch Jesus, if you watch his ministry all throughout the New Testament, he's doing his thing. He's representing his father. He's about his father's business. But most of it he does outside. Now that's going to disturb somebody's comfort and somebody's convenience because you have your own personal butt print in that seat. That's your seat. You've been sitting there for the last however many years. And if you sit somewhere long enough, you start to think it's yours. 
but Jesus is usually outside. Jesus was born in a stable. Stables. When Jesus was born, there was a bright star that appeared over the place where he was. And if you look up and look at the star, the star, when he walked on the sea and called by the sea, and he called Peter, Andrew, James, and John from being fishers of fish to fishers of men, the sea was located when he taught on the Mount of Olives, that mountain was located when he climbed into a boat and later calmed the wind and the waves, the boat, the wind, and the waves were all located. When he actually walked on water, he was. When he spit on the ground and made a salve and gave a blind man his sight back, that ground was located. When he stopped by the side of the road to give blind Bartimaeus his sight back, he was out. When he told over 5,000 people to sit down on the grass and he fed them with two fish and five loaves of bread, all of that grass was located. When he sat by a well and ministered to a Samaritan woman and told her about the water of life that would spring up, that well was located. When he ministered to a woman caught in the actual adult, act of adultery and stooped to write in the sand, that sand was located. When he stopped the funeral procession on the way to the cemetery and brought a dead boy back to life and transformed a funeral into a family reunion, that funeral procession was. When he raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead for four days, that grave was located. When the woman had an issue of blood for 12 years and ran up and touched the hem of his garment as Jesus passed by, that happened when Zacchaeus climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. That tree was located when Jesus rode a donkey triumphantly into the city on Palm Sunday and they threw palms of victory in his path. All of that occurred when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, that garden is located. When they hung him on a cross between two thieves, that cross was located. When they buried him in a borrowed tomb, that tomb was located. When he resurrected the third day with all power in his hands, that resurrection happened. And when he comes back to take us home with him, the Bible says that he's coming back in the middle of the air. And the last time I checked, the middle of the air is located. Then why are we spending so much time inside? Because we got used to going to the building. But we're kind of oblivious to actually being the church. Y'all sit down, sit down. I said, I'm praying y'all get this. Peter and John encounter a lame man. They then engage the man whom they encounter. Now, they don't ignore, watch this, what the man believes he has need of. The man believes that he knows what he needs. Yes, sir. 
to change his situation. And they don't, they don't uh, ignore what he says. They don't jam it back down his throat. They don't ask him how he got there in the first place. They, they don't ignore what the man believes to be his need. You see, you can't ignore people's immediate needs. You may not be able to supply the need of the person, but you have less of an opportunity to win a person to Jesus if you completely ignore their need. And Jesus never ignored people's needs. He would feed them first and then tell them he's the bread of life. I wish I had a witness in here. So our needs are important to us. It's hard to hear anything when you have some serious needs. It's hard to read a tract when you haven't eaten all day and there's no prospect of eating tomorrow. It's hard to listen to what you Christians say Jesus can do when as far as that person knows, he ain't done nothing for him as of yet. The man asked these two men of God for some money and watched the response of Peter and John. Verse 6 says, Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I'm willing to give it to you. What do you have in the name of Jesus? And I'm glad he didn't just say in the name of Jesus. Because there was a whole lot of Jesuses running around town. But not all of them were Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says, in the only name that can change your situation, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In other words, Peter says, I don't have what you want, but I sure enough know I got what you need. What I'm about to give you is for your long-term benefit and not for a short-term fix. If I had money to give you, you would take the money and use it and you'd be right back here tomorrow asking for some more money. But what I want to give you is that which has the ability to get you back on your feet. I wish I had and so Peter and John encounter and they engage and they evangelize. And, and to evangelize simply means to tell somebody about the euangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ. That good news, in essence, is the fact that when you let Jesus into your life, it does not matter what your condition was. It does not matter what your condition is. It doesn't matter what you believe to be your situation is. It doesn't matter how you think things are going to turn out. When you give your life to Jesus, you take your hands off the wheel and slide over into the passenger seat. You let Jesus get behind the wheel and let him take you where you need need to go. And here it is at that point, verse 7, Peter took the man by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Man started to feel something he had never felt before because remember the text says he was lame from his mother's womb. He has never felt strength in his ankles. He has never felt strength in his feet. But now that Peter comes along and gives him Jesus Christ, he starts to feel things in his life that he has never felt before. I wish I had some help in here somewhere. Notice how Peter reached out to the man 
he reached out to the man. It says that he lifted him. He had to touch the man. He reached out to the man and touched him. I said he reached out to the man and he understood something about outreach. Y'all miss, y'all just missing it. He reached out to the man and touched him. And I, and I love it because he never ever told the man to come in the church building. He, he never told him, you don't, you need to go get showered first. He, he never told him or asked him, are you Muslim? Do you go to anybody else's church? He never asked him what his tattoos meant. He never asked him if she was pregnant out of wedlock and how many children do you have. Never asked him if he was gay. Ne never asked him if he had a criminal record and had he been in jail recently. He never asked him if he had an addiction of any kind. All he gave the man was the only thing that mattered and that is the name of Jesus Christ. He never mentioned the pastor's name. Amen, somebody. And he never mentioned the name of the church other than it's the gate called Beautiful. He only mentioned one name, and that name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. For in that name, lives are transformed, and in that name, chains are broken. In that name, demons start trembling. In that name, Name, angels start moving in that name love starts to flow in that name help starts to come in the name of Jesus forgiveness is possible and hope is possible and joy is possible and healing is possible and deliverance is possible and salvation is guaranteed in the name of Jesus we have the victory but that's only if we stop going to church and start being church.